into the arms of Davis. And a superior team all season long was a superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rookie record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome in to the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined as always by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. We march forward and it is now week seven of the college football season, about the midway point through this football season. Kentucky has a big matchup with Mississippi State at home coming up, but there's another exciting an important event that is taking place at the University of Kentucky before Saturday. And that is what the people like to call Big Blue Madness. It's that time of year, folks. Basketball season is less than a month away. And Big Blue Madness is really the start of the frenzy to get everyone excited for the Kentucky Wildcats to be back at Rupp Arena. A lot of excitement, a lot of buzz, a couple new faces, a couple old faces, and a determined Calipari coming back to right the wrongs after last season. And with that being said, I'd like to bring in Sam. And Sam, from my understanding, there is a lot of buzz going around Big Blue Madness itself. A lot of important people are going to be there, and a lot of things have developed um, over the past week or two surrounding the Kentucky men's basketball program. So let's bring in, let's fill the listeners in, and uh, let's dive right into this, okay? Yeah, thanks for bringing us in there, AJ. Uh, Big Blue Madness is just north of 48 hours away, AJ. I know all of Big Blue Nation, myself, and you included, rejoice in that fact that Kentucky basketball is quickly approaching on the horizon. We are now under a month away from the official season kickoff. We are well under a month away from our two exhibition matches that will um, lead us up to official play. And gosh, AJ, I'm absolutely excited. First and foremost, we obviously have Big Blue Madness uh, in just two short days. The... News and developments are all over the place, AJ. There is a lot to cover here in just a couple of minutes, but I, I think the the biggest news that Big Blue Nation needs to get their minds around, if they have not seen already, is the developments of our star, our hometown hero in Oscar Sheboy. So um, for those of you that may not know the National Player of the Year, and Oscar Sheway is going to undergo a minor procedure on his left knee. Um, that probably has all of you panicking if you did not already know, but 
uh, myself included, and AJ want to make sure that we reassure all Big Blue Nation when we say it is extremely minor. We do not know all of the details. This is actually confirmed from John Calipari himself. So we kind of just have to take his, I guess, word on what we're looking at for Oscar Sheepway. He's not expected to miss any time as far as the season goes. Um, this is hopefully a likely procedure of maybe just going in and, and removing some fluid or, or cartilage running around in his knee. Um, nothing serious, no reconstruction, nothing like that. So um, to my understanding, he will be up and going within a week, AJ. It's most, most likely just going to be some inflammation that we have to let settle down, and then he's going to be right back to action. Um, with that news, we had obviously – our big UK Pro Day, where all 32 NBA teams had multiple scouts attend UK's Pro Day. Um, Oscar Sheepway did participate in our Pro Day. He had a heck of an afternoon and definitely displayed, um, you know, all he had to offer to all 32 NBA teams. Um, Calipari did let us know that he probably wanted to sit him out of the pro day. However, Oscar was determined to showcase his talents, everything that he's worked so hard in the off season for. Um, so he did let him participate. No issues. If you did get um, some glimpses, I know there's been some awesome videos flying around all big blue nation. And you could tell that Oscar was wearing that slight knee brace. Um, it was just kind of to support his knee pain right now. But like I said, it's extremely minor. I'm at ease. I'm going to trust John Calipari and the news that he broke to all of big blue nation um, and just go off of his word. But obviously that was some big developing news. Aside from that, he will still be participating in Big Blue Madness, obviously he will not be um, putting up any shots. He will not be allowed to, in quotes of John Calipari, dance his way through the night. He's going to be very limited, but he will be in attendance, of course, to make all of Big Blue Nation go berserk. You know, we've had some incredible Big Blue Madnesses throughout the years, AJ, um, ever since John Calipari has stepped on campus. And it's been fun this past week just reminiscing looking at old videos of you know where it all started with john wall with the likes of anthony davis with the likes of tyrese Maxey. it's been a lot of fun and i know and you know aj that john calipari has made it a firm concrete thing that he wants this year's big blue madness to be electric and to redefine what we do for not only our players but for all of big blue nation so i'm expecting a very eventful night as i will be in lexington but not attending this upcoming friday night yeah <clears throat> yeah sam i uh i actually wanted to to bring something up real quick because i thought it was it was quite quite interesting and um as most Kentucky fans know, a lot of them follow um, the guys who go on and play in the NBA and follow their careers and, and what's going on with that. And I think a lot of our listeners and Kentucky fans around the country um, have had their eye on John Wall and his return to action in the NBA as he's sat out the last couple of years, hasn't had a chance to play, dealt with some really um, bad injuries and just some things going on in his personal life. And 
it's been a, a big journey and, and a lot of work for him to come back. And I think people around the NBA and, and people who follow basketball have been able to start to appreciate the work that he's put in to come back. And a, a video surfaced um, about a week ago of him at, at a, a Clippers I think, preseason game or one of their um, practices or, or something like that. And he's breaking out his old John Wall dance and doing the Dougie. And you could kind of just see the joy in his teammates and the fans and everybody saying, like, he looks like John Wall again. And um, it to me, I guess it was just – it was interesting – um, kind of made things a little full circle. Uh, I, I laugh when I saw it because I knew, you know, we had spoken in the past about the emphasis John Calipari's putting on Big Blue Madness um, and just creating that excitement again and having that be a special event for the students, the fans, the players, everybody. Um, and so to see John Wall, who was kind of the guy who kicked that whole thing off, um, to see him be himself again and dancing the way he is and then to have the excitement now Friday night of Big Blue Madness getting kicked off with another talented deep squad. I just thought it was um, something of note, uh, kind of came full circle and just um, got me really super excited to see what's to come this basketball season for sure. Yeah, absolutely, AJ, and you make a, a great point. And I think, uh, as you alluded to, we've got an amazing star-studded cast, obviously, in this upcoming Kentucky Wildcats team. You know, we've got the likes of a returning national player of the year, which hasn't happened um, since Tyler Hansborough. So we've got Oscar Sheebway. We've got star-studded five stars coming in as true freshmen. We've got amazing players. I think this is going to be an awesome event for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball program. And they're going to be accompanied by quite the visitor list, AJ. So the visitor list has been confirmed, and this is something I wanted to bring up to your all's attentions. But we have a star-studded cast coming into Lexington to be in attendance for Big Blue Madness. Huge for recruiting news. Um, Some of the big names that we have already secured for the upcoming class would be Justin Edwards, in the class of 2023 and Reed Shepard in the class of 2023. So we've got some, you know, obviously locked in recruits and then the likes of some massive open recruiting battles that we are currently in. So some of the other attendees, AJ are DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Ian Jackson, Jackson. We've got class of 2024, Carter Knox, class of 2024, uh, Allie Bailey, we've got 2024 Travis Perry, and one 2025 recruit in Jasper Johnson. He's one of our lead recruits for that class. Um, So we've got, you know, extremely awesome opportunity in front of us, AJ, to put on a heck of a product for these guys and show them, you know, what a awesome opportunity it is to come to the University of Kentucky where you will have some of the most insane but loyal fans in the entire country so i'm extremely excited for some of these guys to get a a taste of obviously what big blue nation is all about what this program is all about the history um and truthfully aj hopefully with especially the likes of dj wagner and aaron bradshaw maybe put the cherry on top of this recruitment battle that we've been in with uh some of the top programs in the entire nation 
I guess the one last thing, AJ, in terms of some of these names that are on the list, the big development that I personally talked to you about but wanted to bring to the rest of y'all's attention is DJ Wagner. So DJ Wagner officially signs a NIL contract with Nike. It's a massive contract. He is one of five high school students that actually signed a extended contract with the likes of Nike, um, making them exclusive athletes within the Nike brand. The reason I'm bringing this up to y'all is currently the recruitment battle is down to two major players for the likes of DJ Wagner, the number one recruit in the class of 2023. Um, Obviously, we know that's University of Kentucky and the University of Louisville. AJ, I texted you about this, and maybe I'm looking a little too deep into this, but the reason I'm saying something about it is obviously the University of Louisville is an Adidas affiliate school. My question would be, why would DJ Wagner ever go to Louisville when he is now an official sponsored athlete of the Nike brand? He would not be allowed to wear Nike to any team events, obviously, on the court, off the court, within practice facilities. It it would just not make sense. So uh, I'm not saying that the bow is tied and the present is gifted and that DJ Wagner is a Kentucky Wildcat. I am saying that is definitely developing news that was at least worth bringing to y'all's attention. But um, hopefully we're right and that his uh, recruitment battle will be shortly out on the horizon and hopefully we can get an announcement for big blue nation to celebrate. Super exciting, Sam, honestly. Um, like I said earlier, big blue madness is truly the kickoff, the start of the basketball season. Um, they're going to be playing meaningful games sooner than we think. So, um, always, always an exciting time. And, Honestly, just a nice little distraction for for us loyal and diehard Kentucky sports fans as the last two weeks we have not had a ton to cheer about on the football field. And I think, Sam, we have put this conversation off long enough. I think we have ducked and dodged it for a couple days now, and it's time to face the music or whatever it is they say and... Um, talk about this game against South Carolina. Um, obviously, no Will Levis was dealing with the foot injury. Um, could not give it a go from everything the coaching staff said. You know, he truly was working all week to get himself to a position to be able to play. That just did not happen in time. So, um, Kaya Sharon got the start. And at the end of the day, Kentucky goes down and loses its second straight football game, dropping to four and two, um, down to number 22, 23 in the rankings right now, um, a steep decline from a top 10 ranking just two weeks ago. So what went wrong on Saturday against the South Carolina Gamecocks. I think there's a lot to unfold, a lot to unpack here. Um, I don't want to stay in a state of misery for too long tonight, and I don't think our listeners do either, Sam. So why don't we um, be concise, be precise about our takeaways, criticisms, positives, anything from the game um, on Saturday, and that way we can 
move onwards and upwards to better things. Um, but I don't think there's any other place to start than, than the start of the game, the very first play of the game. And you run a double reverse. Chris Rodriguez um, tries to pitch the ball to Barry, Barry and Brown. And, um, you know, I don't know what the angle and what it looked like from his perspective from my couch and watching on TV. I had a very bad feeling when he went to throw the pitch to Barry and Brown. Uh, I could almost see that, that there was a defender there. And I, in my head was like, just, just hold it and go down, just fall down. Like, I don't care if we lose six yards because I could almost see the fumble coming and happening before it even happened. Um, and so, you know, I'm not here to criticize and challenge the play calling of the coaching staff. Um, but what I will say is you got a brand new quarterback in the game. It's his first play of the first start and why don't you just try to ease him into the game a little bit? Pound the ball. Even if even if you have to punt early in the game, it's not that big of a deal. Establish Chris Rodriguez. We had talked before the game. You need to be able to run the football. Pound it right away. And it just it changes the entire complexion of the game is that first play. They go up 7 nothing, 10 seconds into the game. And obviously that wasn't the deciding factor in the game, but that was something that completely took the momentum away from us that we wanted to build. It kind of shifted our focus and what we needed to do um, from the start and kind of made us hit the reset button and play from behind, which obviously was not what we needed to be doing with a first-time starting quarterback. We needed to get a lead and then be able to play defense and run the ball and hold that lead. So, Sam... You were there in the stadium, so I want your perspective. What did you see on that first play? And we'll open up the discussion there, and then we can continue it on. Yeah, I mean, the city of Lexington was alive and well all weekend, AJ, uh, leading up to that football game. You know, the tailgates were phenomenal. The atmosphere was incredible. BBN showed out early, and they were loud and I think all of us had some unease in the fact that Will Levis wasn't going to start, but we were ready for a bounce back week and to do it under the lights at Kroger field with the sun setting. It felt like, you know, it was a new day and big blue nation was ready for the Kentucky Wildcats to kind of show us a product that was going to fight and obviously secure a W and, to be honest, AJ, we were loud. It was awesome. We were rocking. And that first play going awry and them scoring, you know, 10, 13 seconds into the game, it stunned us. And you could tell the rest of the way we were loud at times, but it was we it was a crowd that was clinging on to the fact that we needed something. And we we just didn't get it. And you're not going to, AJ. You're not going to have those electric factories with a redshirt freshman quarterback that clearly Mark Stoops and Rich Gangarillo were not comfortable opening up that playbook. And we can get to that because that pissed me off, AJ, um, just as much as anything else going wrong. But that first play, I don't have as much an issue with the play call, to be honest. Uh, maybe it's me watching the play develop within the crowd, but it all comes down to mis-execution. 
if you go back and you watch that play, which I have multiple times, and I broke it down like I was in the film room, the play was there. Barry and Brown, AJ, if not, could have taken it for a healthy gain. Could have taken it to the house. Yeah, I was going to say they get that. They they. Chris, it was jo- Chris gets him the ball, and he's got room coming around to gain speed. So you know it. it I, I I completely understand, and that's why I kind of said from the beginning, I'm not here to criticize the play call. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the execution was extremely poor. It was terrible. My my only, I guess. Um, for lack of a better term, my only problem with that play call is strictly just you have a brand new quarterback. Don't do mm-hmm. anything on the very first play of the game that could call. Like I know that's not in like their mind of we could fumble this, and but mm-hmm. like I guess somebody just should have been like, hey, the voice of reason. Maybe we should just it up the middle the first play of the game like everyone knows we're gonna mm-hmm. do it who cares you know what i mean so but yep. again sorry to cut sorry to cut you off i, I didn't mean no to, so no you're good it's worth having the conversation i totally agree i mean i i would like to see us maybe stick to our guns early and often there but i get what they're trying to do especially what you said aj we wanted to be playing with the lead and then shove it down their throat and i see what they were trying to do and you know i respect the the opinion of the coaches. It's just extremely unfortunate that you practice that play all week and it comes down to misexecution. Jordan Dingle was the lead blocker on that play and he needed to get on the outside of the Gamecock that made that play and busted up the, the reverse. And it's just a, a bummer because if he gets on the outside, like we said, Barry and Brown probably has an explosive play to start the game and who knows. But like you said, Ultimately, that first play of the game definitely changed the complexion of the Wildcats quickly having to play from behind and almost have it in the back of their minds that, okay, we have to get the offense going, um, which we never truly were able to do that, not in an explosive way, that's for sure. So the worst thing, in my opinion, AJ, is that play takes the air out of that stadium with a crowd that was so ready, and unfortunately, we don't even have to get it too much in Louise, but we talked about it previously in the preview of this week. There was a incredible amount of talent that were recruits for next year's class and beyond in the stadium watching the Kentucky Wildcats take on the Gamecocks, and you just hate to have that happen and almost – take the experience away from those recruits that were expecting a incredible atmosphere. And it was good at times, but I'll be honest, AJ, I mean, that's the first time in a long time I've been going to games for years now where you could tell big blue nation was pretty much fed up. I mean, you, you ended up seeing, unfortunately people leaving in the third quarter because, you know, we, we just didn't give them a reason to cheer at times. And I'm disappointed in the big blue nation faithful that did end up leaving. I mean, that's, inexcusable in my opinion you know we we know what we're capable of we know our backs are up against the wall so support them to the end um but you know obviously especially like you said that first play it's just it felt like we were trying to play recovery the rest of the game but you know i guess you you live and you learn yeah and you know i actually did think 
we bounce back and adjusted well in the first half. We go down 7 nothing. We don't let up another point the rest of the first half, right? We finally get the ball moving on offense, um, open the game up a little bit. We connect on the pass over the middle to Jordan Dingle, tie the game, and then you think everything's going well, right? And you drive down at the end of the half, and, and what happens? You have a chance to get points and, and take a lead, a lead that you probably shouldn't even have, to be honest, and you take it into the half, and what do we do? We miss a field goal. And so that doesn't seem like a super significant play to most, but to me, that set the tone for the second half. That gave South Carolina the confidence that said, we're getting this ball in the second half, let's go down and score a touchdown, let's take the lead. And that, to me, is where the game changed. And then in the second half, this is where my biggest disappointment from last week comes. And it's two long drives given up by our defense in the third quarter, a complete stall out by our offense, which... I'm not gonna die. I'm I'm not gonna blitz the offense and and throw them under the bus or anything like that. They're they they were doing the best they could under the circumstances. So I'm not gonna say, you know, I would have loved in in the third, especially after we got scored on, to be able to sustain a drive and at least take some clock off. Um, even if you settle for three or whatever, start playing a field position game a little bit at that point to be able to give up two long touchdown drives in the third quarter and stall out on offense. It, it, it took the game from being tied to putting the game out of reach. And then the fourth quarter, what you saw on display was a freshman inexperienced quarterback going up against a defense that knew we were trying to pass. And what did they do? They pinned their ears back and they got after him. And, we talked about the fact that South Carolina before the game had did not have many sacks coming into the season. Well, they doubled them. Okay. And the majority of those sacks they had actually came in the fourth quarter when they knew we had to pass because we didn't have any other option because time was running low and we were down by multiple scores. So for a defense that has come up big all year and the second half has been their calling card to fall on their face like that and, and have that sort of performance, especially when they knew that it was kind of on them to make a play and and to hold us in this game. It was just kind of disappointing to see that. Now, they're not going to play great every single week. In some weeks, it is what it is. And the game is designed these days to favor the offense. And so I understand that, but would have loved to see some more fight and effort as far as that was concerned. So that was really, for me, just kind of my biggest takeaway. I mean, we don't have to continue to break down all the X's and O's. It was just the lack of of competitiveness in the second half, and that was more just an effort and focus thing, not um, anything else. And then, um, like I said, the offense, I don't feel the need to get too much into it as Will didn't play. Um, only thing from the offense that I did want to note was just one thing. And this was just an observation I had from watching. And obviously Barry and Brown the week before at Ole, at Ole Miss had some electric plays and did some really good things. I almost thought they forced, tried to, they almost, they forced the, the touches against, um, 
South Carolina. Like when they tried to get him the ball, it was like most of them were unordinary plays in my mind. And almost like it took us out of a rhythm because we wanted to get him the ball because we knew he could be explosive instead of just running the offense and getting him the ball within the flow of the offense and then letting him create on his own. That if that makes sense to you, so um, just a little bit of a of a force feed there. I thought at times which threw us for a loop, but like I said, it. I, the offense, I don't really think there's there's really much need to, you know, drag them down and say bad things about them or anything because I think we all who watched understand that it was it wasn't pretty, it wasn't what we wanted, and it's unfortunate. But what are you going to do with an inexperienced quarterback? I'm not making excuses, but that's what tends to happen when you put a guy in there like that who hasn't played before and. You know, I didn't think he played awful. I thought he did what he was asked to do. Um, but other than that, I guess that can just that kind of leads us into what you had mentioned earlier, Sam. And um, if I am picking up what you, you were saying earlier correctly, I think what you were trying to say was just you know they say you know they come out there and the coaching staff says we you, we have the confidence in Kaya to go out there and perform and make the plays and and do this and do that and yet that's not really how you called the football game so you called you you called the game as if he was an experienced freshman and if you actually had all the confidence that you said you did in him that's not how you would have called the game and mm-hmm. if from my understanding is that what you're what you're yeah. trying to say yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I'm not trying to, to gripe with the, the offense too much. I mean, it is what it is. We knew we were bleeding out. But at the same time, we were missing basically two key players, our right tackle and our star quarterback against a very inferior defensive team. We should have still been able to do some things. And I'm not saying that I have all the faith in our quarterback but at the same time, AJ, that's what our coordinators were saying. That's what Mark Stoops was saying. And we didn't show it on Saturday. And that's what frustrated me and the crowd, AJ, because we refused to take a shot. We did not take one shot on Saturday. And when you have explosive weapons like Barry and Brown, like Tavion Robinson, like Dan Key, and they combine for 55 yards, that's my issue, AJ. And then, in my opinion, to top it off, what was working on Saturday? Chris Rodriguez. He finishes with 22 carries for 126 yards. He didn't touch the ball in the second half, AJ, more than four times until that last drive. That's when we started giving the ball. Too little, too late. You let him touch it four times, AJ. That is my biggest issue. If you're not going to trust the quarterback, and which is a redshirt freshman, and you're not going to take your shots, fine. But actually put the ball in the player's hands that can change the influx of the game, which was Chris Rodriguez on Saturday. And that's where my biggest gripe is, is we just, we lost our identity on Saturday. And we can talk about how we need to refine it, but everything this season that we've worked towards, we lost Will Levis. 
then we get Chris Rodriguez back, and we know who we have to be on Saturday. And in my opinion, we lose our our identity, and that's where things unfold. We we see players trying to do things that they are not responsible for doing typically, and that's where we fell apart, both offensively and defensively. I mean, it was just a complete and utter meltdown when we when you started talking about defense AJ I mean you had your gripe with them in the third quarter that's where my biggest issue is as well I mean we can be the offense to death but we know what we were capable of Saturday and it wasn't going to be 30 plus points putting up on the scoreboard what we needed was a defensive battle where we hold them and I know that they were put up against the goal line on the very second play of the game so I'm not going to fight that that's that is what it is but that second half AJ 12 missed tackles, 12 missed tackles. I mean, you saw them go for that 48-yard touchdown where we had a chance to get them basically at the line. We're talking about SEC play football. I mean, this th- those are the things that have to be addressed right now. And I'm, I'm talking right now because otherwise, I don't care how good you are defensively, how good you are offensively. If you're missing tackles in the form of a dozen on any given Saturday, whether it's an SEC opponent or not, you are going to struggle to win that football game. And that's exactly what you saw. It was too little too late for the Kentucky Wildcats. And it just started bleeding into everything. I mean, special teams, offense, defense. You could just see the players lack that motivation. And maybe that's a coaching thing, AJ. And I'm disappointed if it is because I, I think, you know, you, you heard Mark Stussy said, I didn't get these guys ready. And that's what I think hurts the most because how the hell do you not get them ready for that game? I mean, you're coming off the heels of a tough loss. I know it's emotional. We were on the cusp of something incredible, maybe potentially being in the top six. But now we're sitting here, AJ, and – Rightfully so, we're barely in the top 25. We're still a top 25 team, though, so we can build off that. But you're on the verge of trying to avoid a third straight loss against a strong opponent coming into our barn in Mississippi State. Oh, man. Yep. Um, And we're going to break down the Mississippi State game. Or, yeah. We're going to preview it, break it down. But before we get there, Sam, it's the midway point of the season. And um, I kind of just wanted to get your take um, or your thoughts um, on just where you think we stand right now. Um with the expectations we had coming into the season, where we sit right now, um, how do you feel about the first half of the season? Um, what went right? What went wrong? Where do you need to see improvement? And kind of where do you see this thing heading for the back half of the season? Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up. I think it's important to kind of reflect on the first half of the year. So AJ said it. We're four and two. We're numbered. We're tied for number twenty-two in the nation right now. Currently, what went right defensively? I think that's our strong suit right now. I think what we have to fix defensively, AJ, is one attention to detail. You cannot be missing tackles. I just said it, so I won't beat a dead horse. 
But also, in my opinion, when you go back and you look, AJ, so we had a win against Miami of Ohio, 37 to 13. We had a win against Florida, 26 to 16. We had a win against Youngstown State, 31 to 0. Then, right there, we trip, in my opinion. You get another win against Northern or Illinois, 31 to 23. You lose to Ole Miss, 22 to 19, and you lose to South Carolina, 24 to 14. So what I'm trying to point out, guys, is defensively, we talked about it previously. There was a point where this Kentucky Wildcats hadn't let up a touchdown in the second half. Then you finally get to Northern Illinois, and they're the team that breaks us there. And since then, AJ, defensively, we have been a tale of two halves. We either have a great first half or a great second half, but we have not been able to put a collective effort together to play an entire game, all four quarters. That's where we have to address defensively, in my opinion. Let's clean up the tackling, obviously, and let's clean up getting beat one-on-one. If you look at some of the defensive breakdowns that we've had, especially this past week, it was all one-on-one play. That is concerning because we're going to go up against some insane talent coming up in this second half of the year, AJ. We've got a great team coming to town in Mississippi State. we got the likes of Tennessee that has proven to be one of the most prolific offensive teams in the entire country, and we've got Georgia who clearly knows how to move the football. We have to clean those things up defensively to be able to move on. I like what I've seen so far. I don't think we're that far off defensively, AJ. I actually don't. I think that we have a great product that we put on the fields on Saturdays. However, we can't play just a half. I think that's what I've reflected most about defensively. Offensively, AJ, I begged the question earlier, or maybe I brought it up and made it a close case, but now I beg the question. Who are we offensively? I think the biggest thing that I've reflected on, AJ, from the first six weeks is our identity offensively. I mean, we know Will Levis is slinging the the ball for us, and he's doing some incredible things. He's got the second-highest QBR in the SEC. He's doing great work. However, for everything that we've talked about offensively, all the weapons we have, Chris Rodriguez now back, some of these elite wide receivers that we have, we have not put up over 30 points against an SEC opponent. The only time that we put up 30 points plus was Youngstown State and Northern Illinois, both of which we had defensive scores, and then Miami of Ohio early we had a defensive score. So what I'm trying to say is for all the hype that we have against our, about our offense, truthfully, when you break it down by the numbers, we're not quite there. And I want to see a true identity formed through the second half of this season. And I'll bring up one more thing because it's all on the shoulders, in my opinion, of Rich Gangarello. I mean, we saw some awesome product like last year. I don't think we've seen the same thing on every Saturday thus far. He had his interview previewing the Mississippi State game. They asked him. They addressed it. They said, what's going on with your offense? We don't feel as though you've been able to move the ball and get in the end zone quite like we were expecting. This is his quote, AJ. He said, I'm not going to knee-jerk. I know what we have, and I know the team that was trending the right way against Ole Miss. It just takes focus, a little more effort, 
and detail and better coaching on our part. And I think this week we'll come out and put a hell of a product on the field. I love to hear that from Rich Gangrel. That's exactly what I was just saying. We have to come out with a different product. We do. I, I, what we did offensively this first six weeks, and it just ain't going to cut it. It just ain't going to cut it, in my opinion. I love that he's saying that because that at least means that he's willing and he's ready to change what we're doing offensively moving forward, and that's what has to happen. Unfortunately now, AJ, for you and I and the rest of Big Blue Nation, it's a wait and see. Okay, bring it. Show us what we're capable of because, my man, you used to run a hell of a product out West Coast in the NFL with the 49ers. I want to see that. We've got some explosive weapons on offense. We've got one of the nation's best quarterbacks coming off of a week of rest because, obviously, he tweaked up his ankle. It sounds like he's going to be ready to go, AJ. It's not confirmed, but it sounds like Mark Stoops is hinting that he has progressed through his week accordingly, and he's going to be able to get the start on Saturday. From here on out, the second half of the season, I want to see a different offense from the Kentucky Wildcats. What are your key takeaways from the first six weeks? What do we need to do moving forward, man? Yeah, um, honestly, I'm going to keep this extremely short and simple. Um, to me, there's two takeaways, and the first one is just missed opportunities. And it's funny, we sit here and we're foreign to and we're upset coming off back-to-back losses, and I don't think this is what any anybody had envisioned um when we talked two weeks ago heading into the old miss game i don't think me and you thought we'd be sitting here at four and two right now honestly and so um you know say what you will but um missed opportunities if we had taken advantage of a few of the opportunities that presented themselves over the last two weeks we're six and oh not four and two and it the margin is 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 thin and i get that and so i'm not here to to overreact and to use rich gangarello's term to come to some knee-jerk reaction um over what transpired over the last two weeks um, so that's my, that's my biggest takeaway is just the missed opportunities. And obviously in the second half of the season, if you want to accomplish the things you want to and you want to continue to stay in the win column, you're going to need to take advantage of those opportunities. And then the second takeaway for me is, um, and I'm not really sure how to coin this or turn this or anything, but... I think we all, through six games now, have had the thought in our head, and please tell me if I'm wrong, if you haven't had this thought, but we've all sat there, whether in the stadium, at home on the couch, at the bar with friends, wherever we're watching the game, on our phone, in the airport, wherever it may be, okay? We've all sat there, and we've thought, if we played the way we're capable of for four quarters, we could beat any team in the country, right? And and you see it for flashes here and for a quarter here and for a half here and for a drive here. And it, 
and I think we are just frustrated because we have not seen that be put together for one full game. It's either one oh my gosh i don't i don't need to explain it anymore you get it it's either one unit of the team out of the three is not clicking that day the offense does its job the defense plays amazing and special teams lets us down for a half or the offense last game can't get anything going they finally score in the first half to tie the game we miss a kick the defense doesn't show up in the second half so it's like and that's why I think we're frustrated is because we're like, we know it's there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that kind of loops back into my missed opportunities. And I think that's just an overarching um, storyline throughout the first half of the season is just, man, you know, it's there. And so um, I think that kind of perfectly leads us into talking about the the showdown with Mississippi State this weekend because – You talked about it, Sam. We've had a small, I wouldn't say major, I would say small identity crisis the first half of the season. We missed our star running back. We had to majorly adjust our team and what we were trying to do on offense. We're breaking in a brand new offensive line, a new offensive coordinator, brand new receivers. So it is a lot. And like I said, we've all been waiting for that one game. I think this is the game where you see, and you have to see, you have to see. This is the only way we win this football game is if we get back to true Kentucky football. What is true Kentucky football? Running the football, playing sound technique football. Okay, creating more yards after you get hit, setting up short, down, and distance. And then once you draw them in with the run, bang, you hit them with the play action. Okay, that is Kentucky football. That is what we have to do with Will Levis and with this team. We have to find a way to take pressure off of the offensive line so every single play, they're not backpedaling trying to stop seven guys from killing their quarterback, okay? This has to be a true Kentucky game, okay? And let me tell you why, all right? Mississippi State, they're hot right now, okay? Everyone around the country has been watching them play. Will Rogers has been throwing the ball all over the park, the field, you name it. He's doing it. He's completing passes at a high rate. He's throwing a lot of touchdowns. And in that Mike Leach air raid offense, they ask him to throw a lot. He's efficient. He's accurate. He's doing it. He should be doing it. I think it's his 10th year in college, so it's about damn time. But regardless, he's playing at a high level right now, okay? They are moving the ball efficiently, playing good complementary football. They actually have been rushing the ball for about over. They rushed the ball for over a hundred yards a game, which for an air raid offense is they're still actually getting some some yardage on the ground, even though they don't run very often, and that's not the key to what they're trying to do out there. Um, their season has been quite interesting. Um, they won the first two weeks played 
teams that I didn't think were very good, to be honest with you. They've only gone on the road twice this year. They went on the road earlier in the season. They played at Arizona, who I think is a mediocre to below average football team. So that's not really much of a challenge to go out on the road, right? They've won all their games at home. I think everyone saw the score against Arkansas. Oh, man. Wow, Mississippi State. Woo, woo, woo. Well, yeah, I know. I get it. They're kind of reeling, and K.J. Jefferson was not playing. So that doesn't necessarily impress me like, oh, my gosh, wow, they beat Arkansas. Oh, no, I'm scared. Um, So I don't necessarily think that they've had a lot of true – tests this year to be quite honest with you um this this game this weekend is going to be something that they are going to need to be prepared for i mean you you beat texas a&m at home you beat arkansas at home you beat memphis at home you beat arizona on the road right and you beat bowling green okay we get it um you did have one game on the road in a hostile environment and you went down to baton rouge and played mediocre at best LSU team. And what happened in that game? You Mississippi State, they got up 13 points. And then what happened? An epic collapse. Got outscored 21 to 0 in the fourth quarter, okay? Got completely shut down by that LSU defense. Their their offense went completely mute in the second half and in the fourth quarter specifically. And you let Jalen Daniels in that below average LSU offense score three touchdowns on you in one quarter and lose. The games in which they've been able to throw the football and protect Will Rogers and they've been able to build a lead and play teams that are a little bit less talented than them, I think they've been able to run away with and 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 start to put up some points. I do not see that as the case this weekend. We are a desperate and scrappy football team right now. And I think you see a Kentucky football team that is itching and clawing at the bit to prove and show everybody in the country who we really are. There's a lot of questions. We even have questions about who we are right now. And I think they want those answers. I think those comments that Rich Scangarello said kind of tell the story i think he and the coaching staff and the players know that they're on the cusp of having things click and having an offense that really starts to turn some heads and the point thing that you brought up earlier sam i i I totally get that the one thing i will say is we literally play at the slowest pace in the entire college football so and and a lot of that has to do with the pro style offense that we're running and there's a lot of terminology Um, they'll send in different plays to Will Levis so at the line if he sees something he can then check and go to a different play so there's a lot of verbiage terminology and whatnot that's going on in between the plays and so we've had to slow down and that's why you see the ball getting snapped close to the um, end of the play clock every time and So I think that we can do a better job of being able to pick up the pace a little bit and get some more offensive plays in. Um, But the point thing with like, you know, I know we've only scored 30 plus points twice and we had defensive touchdowns and whatnot. I don't think it's as much about the points as it is just about like seeing our offense go out there one game and not leave points on the board and Mm -hmm. go out there and just be efficient and score five or six touchdowns as an offense or something like that if 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 you catch my drift there so um like i said i think you've got an extremely scrappy and desperate kentucky football team and um last week 
Um, I think this is something of note. Beginning of the week, Kentucky opens as 11 and an 11 to 12 point favorite against South Carolina. You saw that get steamed down all week as people anticipated Will Levis not playing. By the time the game started, you had Kentucky as a field goal favorite. Um, South Carolina obviously covers the spread, wins the game outright. Anybody who had a ticket on South Carolina from plus 11 all the way down to plus three cashes, they go crazy. Woo, 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 woo. Fast forward a week. Spread comes out on Monday morning for Kentucky and Mississippi State. Mississippi State is a seven-point favorite. It gets steamed to about seven and a half, eight points. Some real money, real sharp money comes down on Mississippi State, right? Okay, like the number, Levis is out. Clearly, if Levis is out, I think people are looking around saying, uh, South Carolina just beat him. Mississippi State's going to beat him by more than a touchdown, right? Well... As we sit here today, that line is now at four points. So what that tells you is the bettors around the country who do this for a living are getting information that's telling them that Will Levis is going to play this weekend. And getting Kentucky with points at home is a gift in their mind because that spread does not make sense. That's not what their their numbers would, would tell them, okay? So I think, you know, and I don't, I don't live in this world where I think pro gamblers are right all the time. All I give you this information because the people who put down a lot of money on these games, they don't do it for no reason. They do it when they have information about guys being able to play and not play that have a direct and immediate impact on the point spread. And that is what Will Levis does. He has a direct and immediate impact on the point spread. So to see that point spread start dropping in the middle of the week like this, that is a direct reflection of the positive trend that Will Levis is on right now. And unless, in my eyes, unless something goes wrong during a practice or anything like that where he re-injures himself or something else happens, he's playing this Saturday. And so I think with him coming back, coming off these two losses in complete desperation mode, I think you see a Kentucky team that says, if we're going to go down, we're going to go down being who we are. And who we are is a physical smash mouth in your face. We're going to give it to you all night long. No letdown. We're going to play smart and we're going to play fundamentally, but we're going to hit you hard and we're not going to miss tackles and it's going to be hard to get in our end zone. And when we have the ball on offense, we're going to take care of it and we're going to hit some explosives. We're going to run the football and we're going to play play action. And I make it sound really simple, but that's who we are. Our coach, Mark Stoops, even said it at the end of last game. And I sat there and I listened to him speak and it was painful. But the one thing that I came away with that he said was, listen, we're not a school and we're not a team that has the individual talent at a ton of different positions to where we can rely on this position group making up for what we may lack in another or this part of our team caring when the other part of the the team is not. He said, the best strength about our team is the team. We play well as a team. It's not about the one guy individually. It's about the collective unit. And that's what he was disappointed in is he didn't feel like we played well as a team. And I understand that. And I'm in his boat 100%. So I think this week... It's the culmination of 
the boys coming back together and kind of sitting down this week and saying, we're going to, we're going to write this ship and we're not going to let this thing go even more South than it already has, you know? And so if we do the things that we can do, I have no, I don't fear their defense in a way that I think that we have to go out there and do something specific on offense outside of what we should be doing and that's running the football and in play action off of that and then the defense like i said you obviously know will rogers it's an air raid so they're gonna put the ball in the air a ton um so the secondary the linebackers i mean it sounds like jacques jones is still not going to be back this week so again that's been if you look at the injuries to him and J.J. Weaver, there's been a decline in our defense slightly because of those injuries, in my opinion, because it's hard to replace those guys, and so we're working through it. But this is the week where they're going to put the ball in the air a lot, and we're going to be able to. We're going to have to make tackles, and we're going to have to bat balls down. And so it is imperative for that defense to buck up and throw last week out the window and say that wasn't who we are and come ready to play. Because I really do believe, Sam, if we play our identity of offensive football, run the ball, play action, be smart, hit some explosives, and our defense just comes and plays the way that it has throughout the first half of the season, I think that we're going to put ourselves in a, in a really strong position to win this football game on Saturday. Go off, man. I I absolutely agree with everything that you just said. I I had all my notes down, and you hit them, man. And you're you're absolutely right. I mean, I want to see us run the ball. They are the 99th nationally rushing defense in the country. Chris Rodriguez put the ball in his hand. Let him go to work. Let's work out of that. Let's ease Will Levis. Not ease him like he's a little redshirt freshman quarterback, but get him into the game. Let him get a couple of quick passes off, play action stuff that really make him feel comfortable. And we know we will have the ability to open up our offense and really put out a product, like Rich said, that we are going to be extremely excited about. But let's be who we are. And I totally agree with that. It's our time to show our identity and move off of it. And I think the opponent that we're going against like you said, AJ, suits that opportunity. I really do. I think this is, on paper, a better matchup than most people are making it seem for the Kentucky Wildcats. I actually think that with their rush defense, this suits the type of offense that we need to be running and that we are going to be utilizing moving forward. I think, obviously, like you said, AJ, truthfully, they're a pass-first team. And they've proven that all year long. And up until a couple of misexecuted plays, the Kentucky Wildcats have a, have been an incredibly efficient defensive pass-first team. So I'm excited about this matchup. I truly am. we got to have some guys that are buttoned up and that step up for this Kentucky Wildcats defense. But I trust our defense and Brad White to be able to put out a team come Saturday that is able to shut down this offense more so than we've been able to do so in the past. So I, I have faith. And you you said everything that I wanted to say, AJ. So all that's left to say is that we have to throw the last two weeks out the window. We actually need to throw the last six weeks out the window, AJ, because it is a new season from here on out. We have a new team, and we are starting fresh. Throw all the paper clippings 
from the last six weeks out the window. I don't care anymore. We're starting fresh. We're the 22nd best team in the nation, according to all the analysts. Let's go to work because we know we are much better than that. Yeah, sure, we slipped up the last two weeks. Whatever. You think you're going to come catch us sleeping in our own barn for the second straight week when we only lost two games in the last two years in our barn. You're mistaken. The Kentucky Wildcats are going to be buttoned up. It's not too late to save this season, AJ. Everything that we have talked about, and I know I might be trying to sound really optimistic, but it's the freaking truth. Look at it on paper, AJ. Everything that we want to do can still be done. Sure, our backs are against the wall. Whatever. We're Kentucky. We like it that way. Y'all haven't thought we are a good team all along. So don't start worrying about us now. We're built for this. We've got a great opportunity starting this weekend against the 16th best team in the country. Then we've got an even better opportunity of catching Tennessee on the heels of an extremely tough matchup with Alabama. Whether they win that or whether they lose that, AJ, we're going to have a great opportunity against those Bulls. Then, later in the season, you still have Georgia. Everything we want to do, I'm telling you, is in front of us, and we can accomplish it. So let's go out there. Let's execute. Let's have the attention to details, and like you said perfectly, AJ, let's be who we are as the Kentucky Wildcats, both both offensively and defensively. You said it perfectly. We know what we need to do on offense. I totally agree. Get the run game going. Open up the play action for Will Levis. He's electric when he's in the play action, and we've got some guys that can make some plays. Defensively, hit him in the freaking mouth. Show them that they are not going to be comfortable because that's who we have always been. AJ, when you listen to some of these guys that have been interviewed about playing the Kentucky Wildcats over the year, they always say, we're tough. So let's show it. Let's get back to that, and let's make it difficult for these Bulldogs to come into our barn and do anything that makes them feel comfortable. The last thing that I'll say, AJ, is I actually listened to this interview the other day of Kyle Long. Now, for some of you, you may not know who Kyle Long is. For others, that may ring a bell. However, he was an offensive lineman in the NFL for many years. He is the son of a Pro Football Hall of Famer offensive lineman, and he is the little brother of an extremely prolific offensive lineman in the NFL. That's Kyle Long. He's played for multiple teams, more famously for the Chicago Bears. The reason I'm bringing up the interview that I listened to from him, AJ, is he actually was asked this question. How difficult is it to mesh as an offensive line when you have guys coming in and out of the lineup or when you switch teams because he moved teams multiple times throughout his NFL career? It was fascinating what he said, AJ. He said, It typically takes roughly six weeks to get comfortable as an offensive line. I'm just saying, I know we can point our fingers all day long on it's gone wrong because of this or that or this or that. But I'm just saying this team has now had six weeks together. This offensive line has had six weeks together. I know we've put guys in and out and in and out, but What I wanted to get out of that interview, AJ, is not more so just the offensive line. It's a team. 
It's time to trust one another, just like you have to do on the offensive line, but do it as a team. Trust one another that they're going to be there and they're going to make the play so you can do your own assignment. That's coaching and that's the players. Let's trust each other and the product that we're going to bring out on Saturday and let's move forward and let's be the Kentucky Wildcats team that all of Big Blue Nation knows we can be. That's what I have to say. Oh man, Sam, I, I'm 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 getting fired up for Saturday. I um, you know, like I said earlier, I think I think we're a desperate football team right now, um, which just adds a little bit of sense of urgency, focus, determination throughout the week in preparation for the game on Saturday, and then going out there and actually being able to execute. Um, one other thing I'd like to note is this is. Um, somewhat of a rent revenge game. You know, we did not play well when we played them last year. I think that's one, that's the one game I, you know, me and me and you had talked after the season and we kind of, what did, you know, we asked each other, Hey, what did you think of the season? Um, that was the one game last year. I had no issue with the other losses. I had an issue with the game against Mississippi state last year. I thought we just didn't show up to play football that day. Kind of like we didn't show up to play football last week. And, um, you have a bye week after this, um, to get healthy and to get ready for a big test against Tennessee. So, um, this weekend, I think there is, there is zero excuses for anything. It's, you put everything on the line and you put it all out there this weekend because you got a week to rest up and before you got a big opponent. And so I think there's no excuse for a lack of attention to detail and focus and doing the little things right in this game. So that's what I'm going to be paying attention to. And then just the overall spirit and body language of the players. I want to see the body language to be positive throughout the game, even if we go down, even if things aren't going the way that we want them to. I thought last Saturday that was the one thing um, as far as looking at the sideline, what what kind of disappointed me on that level was just kind of some of the body language of the players and dropping a pass and the head goes down and just it didn't seem like the, the general joy and excitement and passion that I've come to know um, with this Kentucky Wildcats team. And so I think that you will see a, a much different football team this Saturday as opposed to last Saturday. Hopefully the Cats can get it done. Like I said, win or lose, we're just looking for Kentucky to be themselves and to go out there and put it all on the line and, and, and we'll take our chances, as they say. Sam, I think the people have heard enough from us. I think it's time for us to get out of here. We will be gone this weekend. Both me and Sam are traveling to Lexington as a very good friend is getting married. So there will be no All Out Kentucky podcast episode this weekend. We will be back early next week to break down the Mississippi State game we will have an episode out for you guys early next week and then like I said we have the bye week I think we will still we will 100% still be 
um, releasing some episodes during the bye week. Definitely going to gear up into basketball, so we'll have some preview season preview um, content coming out for you guys to get you all ready for the beginning of the season and outlook on the whole season. We'll do some player deep dives. We'll give you some information that you won't get anywhere else to get you guys absolutely jacked up and ready to go for the basketball season. We'll stay focused this week for the rest of the week against Mississippi State. BBN, like Sam said, ain't nobody leaving this week. Everyone's showing up. The team needs the support. I think that is absolutely crucial for them to walk in on Saturday to the catwalk from the morning. Being around campus, the facilities, the catwalk, into the stadium, the tailgating, the whole experience. I think when the players and coaches see everybody still there, excited, supportive, before the game starts, I think that will do wonders for the confidence, the energy within the team to go out there and really want to perform. I, I, I truly believe they do not want to let this fan base down. They understand what's at stake. And so um, I think we're, we should be in for quite a treat on Saturday in a, in a hell of a football game, Sam. So let's get out of here, man. Appreciate everybody listening. As always, appreciate you guys spreading the podcast, sharing the podcast with your friends, following the Kentucky Wildcats. Sam, I appreciate your time tonight. Thanks for sticking with me. I know we ran a little bit long tonight, so you had to listen to me a little bit longer than normal, but we'll get out of Dodge. We'll be back next week. Go Cats. See y'all. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.